0: The subject for the evening talk is deepening the meditation. Entering into a meditation retreat whether one has arrived here recently or as or has been here for some time is such that it it brings about a contrast. And the contrast is between, let us say, frequency of movement at the physical and verbal level to less frequency of movement. And so in everyday life situations we are used to and involved in a great deal of activity, We we reduce this activity quite considerably, quite dramatically, in fact, in order that we can sustain the attention of being with ourselves. In the beginning of the retreat, the being with oneself is such that there is still, owing to the varying degrees of restlessness taking place, quite some degree of activity, uh, particularly physical and psychological, and we find that as we settle in more and more, the movement is reduced. Sometimes we notice this particularly at the, at the personal level. We reflect back over a couple of days and we see how much we were moving and how that has come down quite considerably. And also at times we sense that within the group of us as a whole and that there have been some sittings which have been, in fact many of the sittings here, which have been for this stage of a retreat, extraordinarily, unusually, I would say, quiet and, and still. And all of that is a direct reflection of the reduction of movement. And that reduction of movement, which comes to more and more refined and subtle forms, is a substantial contribution to the deepening of meditation. Now, in this deepening of the meditation and using the reduction of movement as an aid, there is, of course, ways that that can be developed and cultivated actually here in the meditation room, and there are ways and means outside of it. And generally speaking, outside of it, it's being more mindful and alert, and conscious with whatever action one is engaged in. And we find that since we're not having verbal contact or communication or or very little, sometimes the restlessness will once again manifest itself, not only mentally with thoughts and feelings, but physically too. And we find ways and means to distract ourselves, and in that distraction, there's restlessness again, and to some degree or other, a loss of that quality of mindfulness and attention which is contributing to depth. So, in other words, in giving fullness of care and attention to the day, we become more acutely aware of the ways and means we distract ourselves from the practice. Sometimes that can be understandably through uh, in uh, eating or through sleeping or through making ourselves uh, busy in our room or as it wandering around moving around with no real focus. And all of that is typical expressions of some of the the restlessness which comes. We begin to pick up on the manifestations of it, bring it into our field of awareness, and and through that enter, one might say, into a phase of polishing the practice, refining the practice, refining it in here with our posture, with our stillness, with our attentiveness, and also refining it outside of this room. So each field of movement, field of action, is one which is engaged in, in a totally attentive way. If that is beginning to happen throughout the day, the consciousness itself, in spite of all the difficulties that it is faced with, physical, psychological, environmental, in spite of all the difficulties, will move less. And in moving less, it's not that therefore it remains stagnant, but in moving less it begins to settle. And the settling in physically, uh, biologically, psychologically, is what contributes to depth. Now, sometimes in the the course of the slowing down and being and applying uh, the mindfulness and the attention to what we're doing, we touch places inside of ourselves which bring about a tremendous commotion inside. Sometimes it's just that the mind grasps onto something, hangs on to it. There's a tremendous unsettledness taking place and it seems as though one's practice is as it were going in the wrong direction. So these periods of time of settling in, sometimes we get faced with the stark staring opposite to it. And I would say particularly this can happen is when the process of the meditation and the consciousness is settling in and one has a sense this has been a good sitting this has been a sitting which I've really been in touch with the breathing, really felt focused or with the walking a clear mindful walking that kind of response through thought which is reflecting the experience that there's settling in There's greater depth there and the very depth itself can, and frequently does, invite things which are unresolved or unclear through that depth to the op- gives it the opportunity to surface. So it seems like the practice, when when there is a rhythm and flow to it, is one of it feeling fairly even with a a degree of um, um, equanimity and being in tune with the practice, then there's a touching upon something, possibly sometimes quite strong, a lot of commotion and disturbance, and one proceeds in one's meditation and to some degree proceeds through it. Now when when there is these periods of time of um, commotion sometimes in the day, sometimes in the night, in the forms of dreams and, and so forth. When we're experiencing this and we are aware of it, very easily we, the structures, like I was speaking of mine, the, the, the reactiveness, um, the defences, the justifications, that kind of event, psychological event, takes place and it supports what, one, what is happening. And so sometimes when we come, say, back to the breathing, we come back to it, but we're only able to remain with it momentarily because of the intensity of what we're feeling and experiencing. Sometimes fear, sometimes anger, sometimes sadness, the more difficult expressions of feeling. When that is happening, to resist is to reinforce. To resist what is taking place is to fuel and refuel. And we spend a lot of time in our lives resisting what we're experiencing. So taking the emphasis off the resistance through avoidance or through struggling with and just experiencing, just acknowledging this is what's happening is an essential part of the meditation so that Our working with the breathing is a way of developing and training our mind just to be with one experience, the breath experience. Getting that developed so that we can just be with a single experience and sustain the focus with it, just allowing the breathing to come and go. And it doesn't matter if the breathing is very shallow or very deep or very erratic or very smooth, or very subtle, or gross. If we're with it, that's our practice. So that we can develop in our life the same sense of being with something which is far more difficult than just the breathing. So in other words, in our practice, we're definitely undergoing a training of mind of learning to be with the reality which presents itself and so our practice in a very real and direct way is training the mind to be with what the reality is no matter and we may have spent you know a lot of our life not wishing to deal with it not wishing to work with it and we've built up ideas about how bad or painful or threatening the reality is and it's when we actually come to be with it we see that this world that we live in isn't half as dangerous as what one thought or believed it to be now in in the deepening of the meditation and as i mentioned One way to deepen the practice is through taking great care in movement, great care with all the activities of the day. And one of the things which is within that field, let us say, of of taking care is something which is something in a way which each person must find and experience and see for herself, see for himself. And what I, what I mean by that is this the necessity of exploring the balance very important balance in, in the meditation field between a certain single pointed attention to what one is doing and an awareness of what is happening and if and much of the meditative approach in the uh, insight tradition is such that it's synchronizing and getting these two balanced. If one is not balanced with, with the other, neither the fullness nor the richness of the meditation and all that's implied of it will be forthcoming. Awareness of what is uh, happening, being clear about what is occurring, balanced, with a certain capacity to focus, to be single-pointed, to be steady. And when these two go together, the the degree of receptivity for depth and clarity certainly are in potential. Let us look at, a little bit at the at these two a- areas here. First of all, if one, one takes the, the field of awareness, when I speak of awareness, one might speak of it in the same way as speaking of the sun. The, 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 the sun itself, it has one function, it shines, it brings forth light, and that light reveals what is in front of it. That is the function of the of the. Of the sun, it reveals the clouds, it reveals the earth, etc., etc., to use that as an analogy. In the same way, it is with awareness. Awareness is the light of consciousness which reveals what is manifesting, what is present. Some aspects of what sometimes much is revealed, sometimes little is revealed. But that's the function of awareness. And the function with single-pointedness is that developing the power of mind which is able to focus closely upon something which need, one needs to focus upon closely. Now when, when we come to the application and the, the direction of of the meditation one of the things about focusing the mind whether it's focusing on the breathing or focusing on on the walking that if there is an exaggerated emphasis in this area it tends to have other kinds of side effects which are not conducive to depth and I'll speak a little bit more about what I mean by depth uh, in a minute There is a bias one way. One has heard the message, one has read the message, or one believes in the message, that being single-pointed is really what it's all about. And therefore one is striving in that particular way and using particularly this area of will in pushing in that way. One of the things which will come out of it will be pressure. Pressure must come. If one is forcing oneself, the pressure will manifest in one way or another. That pressure, like many things in life, may not actually be felt. And one of the characteristics when one is using or bringing to bear too much force in in that way is that it seems in itself to be beneficial because at the time of that, of that sheer single-pointedness, there may be the absence of thought. And having been troubled and bothered and, and hampered and limited and restricted by the field of the, of the thinking, when, one's got, when one is really concentrated, there's no thought at work, and there's that sense there that the mind is unbudging and unmoving, as it may be. If the mind, if that is occurring with the lack of awareness, that can occur, that that, that kind of single pointedness in a sustained way, with awareness or without it. If it's occurring now, without any awareness, it's just sheer pushing of the mind uh, in a, concentrated way there'll be a pressure will will be there and things which have not been faced or worked with or dealt with in life will get to one degree or other pushed aside mind has that capacity it can literally push things aside and that I feel creates a a limitation So the value of meditation, because it seems to me, and as the texts show again and again with the frequency of references to mind states and the hindrances and anger and greed and fear, that the meditation is a therapy as much as it is working in a spiritual direction. So as I say, if one is working in in a rather... Uh, narrow kind of focus, there is the danger of pushing things aside, they don't get dealt with, but they don't really go away. They're simply out of the field of awareness, and they will, they will, sure as sure as, the, as the day follows night, that they will arise later at some time in one's life if they're not understood, seen into. The other aspect, too, of sheer single-pointedness, and, and I'm still speaking of it now in an exclusive way, a way without awareness, is such that what occurs with it, and what many, including my, myself, have experienced I- in it, is a certain kind of intensity. And there's there's, um, a seriousness of mind, a dedication there, a, a resilience there, and barely any movement, I mean physical or psychological, throughout the whole course of the day, owing to the power of that kind of concentration. And with it comes an intensity, a certain kind of sensation which is, quite gripping I would say and it brings with it, sometimes it brings with it a certain sense I'm really getting somewhere and because one isn't troubled by emotional life, one isn't troubled by the conceptual framework and one feels to be right into it and with that intensity one very easily identifies with it and this extraordinary sensation of intensity becomes the experience which is a measure of where one's meditation is. If there's not intensity in it, it means I can't be getting anywhere. And we view this in many other areas of our life and so easily we can transmit it into that, shall we say, pure concentration power. And, what, and because this, this kind of sensation has such a strong impact on our, on our consciousness, and perhaps we have the memory of it from that three-month retreat we did, that one-week retreat, that weekend retreat, we think, this is what I'm looking for. And we come in and we want to repeat our situation to come back to that intensity. I wonder if the heart and soul of meditation is in that intensity. In so, And the other factor which tends to go with that, if there is that uh, kind of uh, restriction of understanding or experience there, is that it also tends to be goal-orientated. And if practice, and if meditation, and if the Dharma is the teaching about the reality of life, then the reality is here with us. We may not see it clearly. We may not understand it. We may not not have digested it. But the reality is here. And if we have too much forcing in that way, it may be a, a subtle form or gross form of denial of the reality because we don't like what's here and we use our, use our mind with the rather ambitious hope of getting somewhere else which isn't here for which there are lots of fancy names. And so sometimes a person hears that kind of message be watchful, be aware, be mindful uh, don't get stuck into um, that kind of narrowed down vision the mind, and this of course is where the importance of balance comes in, the mind reacts against that and says, Phew, I don't want to get into an intense meditation, I don't want to get single-pointed, I'll get stuck there, i get caught up in the intensity, you know, I'll get goal-orientated, etc. There's a reaction against that and the mind rather easily then swings over the other way. Mm-hmm. I'll just be aware. Safer. <laughs> Easier lighter, s- more, s- more spacious, or whatever. And then one looks around for the literature. Ah, oh, Krishnamurti, thank God he's alive. <laughs> he's, he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> so the swing goes, easily takes place the other way, and we don't bring to mind, bring to, to our, our observation and our experience. So never, never, never mind what this group says, never mind what he says, never mind what I say. What's our practice showing and revealing to us? Our practice is such of looking at what the reality is, what our experience is, how we work with it. In this in the other form of narrowness you know the narrowness of just taking just being aware in, in, that, in that form very easily one can just be aware and one can be observing the breath coming and going the mind states states coming and going and it just stays just at that level one has a, a reasonably light easy relaxed spacious kind of day, but the consciousness just doesn't deepen itself. There isn't the energy there, which certainly is there in a a single-pointed focus. It does bring energy there, and there's a, a great asset of it. But there isn't the energy there. And one tends to almost take a kind of naive view about meditation practice and starts to confuse... Relaxation with lightness. Relaxation with apathy. Relaxation with everything is okay. And so in, in that one isn't truly aware of what is happening because one has assumed a certain position by adopting and identifying oneself with, I'll just be aware. I'll just be aware when I sit, I'll just be aware when I walk, I'll just be aware when I, when I, when I eat. And the idea is, is there, but there is no empowerment, empowerment in the mind to really see clearly. And so it becomes a, a, a kind of vague, sometimes half-dreamy world, light world, and of course there's no depth that way. So this is why I say that... that the two of them must work together, must, must truly be in some cooperation together. In order that the, the as I mentioned, the, <coughs> pardon me, the richness of the meditative life and the spiritual in, inner life can really flower, can really develop. Now, in the in the bringing of these two together, which, as it were, maximise the opportunity for a depth which isn't forced by will, which a depth which is includes focus and sustained single pointed focus, and includes awareness, and in that depth one of the things which tends to arise very easily is that one tends to view depth as some special kind of experience, some special subtlety or or, or special sensation, not necessarily one of intensity. So what very easily happens, even when these two are working together, the mind comes up, and long-term meditators refer to this, um, frequently, either at the time or later on, the mind comes up, well, have I ever really come to any depth? Have I ever, am I really going deep? Have I ever gone just beyond the, the, the shallow or the superficial? And that's rather than one of the unfortunate things about the concept depth. Because, like any concept, if the word is used enough, If you hear the word enough, if you think about it enough, you, I, will develop a certain charge around this concept. And we'll have an idea, we'll have an image, once again, the the troublesomes of image. We'll have an image around this and we'll be comparing our experience to an idea of what depth is. And so sometimes in actually going deeper, in getting in touch with oneself and in, and in touching places inside of ourself, one of the places which we touch inside of ourself is doubt. And so when there is, the say, the sustained continuity of the meditation and, and then doubts arise, it might be and the doubts arise about have I gone deep? The very thoughts and doubts which are arising in a peculiar way may be the very proof that one is gone deep. That one may have touched a doubting area inside of oneself. It's going deep there in that case at the uh, psychological level. So, the sense of, of, uh, of deepening one's, one's practice isn't really due to a particular type of sensation or intensity. It isn't really about how single-pointed one is, though that certainly can contribute to the deepening of the practice. Debs has something to do really I would say, in a way, outside of the, if you can follow now, outside of the field of experience. When we're thinking about depth, we're thinking about some kind of experience in our meditation which signals to us something different, something special, something which is not familiar. That's one way of looking, And what has happened, if I may say, in uh, in some of the uh, traditions, the traditions of uh, insight meditation, is that a certain degree of identification has has got or has come about with experience itself. And so, when people think of depth these days, they tend to think of, as I mentioned. Of it in the form of experience, I wonder. I wonder if that's the message of depth. So within the, the, uh, the, literature, the literature, the meditative literature, the literature of the, of the Buddha, there is the ethical foundation of virtue which we are applying and practicing right here in these days that we are together. Virtue serves as the foundation. It serves as the foundation for samadhi. Samadhi, I would say, meaning this combination of focus and steadiness and awareness to c- together, which brings a certain depth and uh, 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 field of experience. And very easily with samadhi, meaning those two elements which I've been talking about, very easily one can become attached to that as a form of experience, identify with that, and forget in fact that samadhi is only a means. It's a tool, it's, it's a vehicle, a mental vehicle for something else and that something else is wisdom, that something else is understanding. And so if we're speaking of developing our practice and seeing more clearly, it's in order to understand clearly and actually what's happening in our practice, what's happening in our physical, mental life. If it doesn't produce that, if if it's not, if its understanding isn't actually emerging of the process that we're engaging in, somewhere we're getting stuck. Now it's quite difficult to be able to see and work with one's experiences and to get some perspective on them. Get some perspective on them in such a way that there's a certain inner inner freeing of oneself from holding on to experience, shows a lack of perspective, or the pursuit of And and as far as the meditation process goes, we have to look. You have to look for yourself. I have to look for myself. In my meditation experience, do I have the tendency of mind to hold on to experience? Not only the ones that we don't want to hold on to, I'm talking about the holding onto ex- the field of experience which we feel very satisfied with, which we feel very good about, which we feel has some measure or indication of some depth to us. Or is it that whatever our experience has been up to now, whatever way. in in terms of the way that we are relating to our practice, are we viewing our practices that this really isn't enough? And therefore there is some subtle or gross form of rejection of experience because the mind has decided, I don't like this, I don't want this one, this is what I want. Either because of a memory of having had, therefore the image again, or because of what is projected or promised. And so being our looking at the field of experience, whatever form it takes, part of it is to get it into a perspective. If you and I in our practice can begin to get, get this perspective on what's actually occurring what must come out of that is more steadiness, and what must come out of that steadiness is, an, is another order of depth. And the, the characteristic, the, the, the noticeable feature is that this depth which comes through not clinging on to experience, nor the pursuit of, this depth which comes, comes without the push of one's ego, without without forcing it to happen. And in that kind of depth, that depth makes possible the transition from samadhi, as I've spoken of it, to wisdom. Please try to follow. If, if in the meditation one, there, is a, there is forcing and there isn't awareness, one may have intensity, but one may never ever get beyond samadhi. One may never ever come to wisdom and understanding. As someone uh, uh, remarked, they did a three months of intensive meditation and this person said at the end, rather seriously in 3 months i didn't have one insight so in our in our in coming to to depth through because we are aware of the field of experience we are willing to commit ourselves with all the the effort and the direction and the firmness and discipline which is required for that rather single point in this, the combination of those two in which which there is the keeping of a perspective allows depth to come by itself, come naturally, come organically, and with that we are not trapped in holding on to or identifying with or pursuing a certain kind of experience. And if, if we can get a sense of, what, of what, that, what that means, then our way of relating and looking at life and the, and the meditative life is such for us that depth is not about experience after all. It's got nothing to do with sensation, nothing to do with subtlety in, it f- in or for itself. If we speak of depth, it's depth of understanding. That's where the true depth lies. And the sense of that puts all our life, our personal life, and our meditative life into a relationship with understanding. Not something self existent, not something unto itself and as we were saying as I was saying this morning in um, uh, res- response to blair 's question that very easily in our daily life situa- daily life situation and in here the thought activity gets disassociated from. An experience from what's actually happening for us or is a reaction in some way to it. And since thought is not the solution for us and, and since being goal oriented can easily bring more unsettledness and clarity, in l- letting go of thought through the simple means of being with the breathing, being with the moment, thought doesn't have so much use and application. As a a result of that, we can begin to see more clearly and in beginning to see more clearly, we can begin to understand what actually is. And so as thought tends very easily or frequently to keep us at a, a superficial level or just knowing something at the head level, when we begin to see clearly, one might say, not just from the neck upwards, but begin to see, as it were, with our being, then we can say, ah, this is depth of understanding. This is what depth is really about. It's that's immediate, it's intuitive, it, it's being clear. And so the process of meditation and 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 the form and the structure and all the supportive aids that we are participating here contribute to the formations of the mind, to finding balance in the mind for the emergence of wisdom. Once the Buddha was asked, in, finally, if one develops this practice of an ethical foundation, the practice of samadhi and that awareness and wisdom, is that as far as it goes? Is it?" just what we're working towards? Is it simply to be wise, to understand reality?" And the Buddha said, that is not as far as it goes. Even the wisdom which, our understanding, which emerges through observation and through exploration and through seeing carefully the." The movement and, and formation of the mental factors in their uh, different ways, even that one cannot speak of as being as far as it goes, because out of that wisdom, out of that emerge, out of that understanding emerges a freedom and a freedom which is not accessible except within that wisdom, uh, a, a liberation of the heart and and mind and a liberation which is truly expansive in its revelation. So in our meditations and, and all the care that is required and all the appropriate effort which is required, cultivating and developing that in a way which truly keeps a balance between The discipline of that focus and sustained, one point in this, accompanied with an awareness of what is taking place in our field of experience. And if we maintain and bring these two two together, out of that and getting all into perspective, wisdom, understanding must come. And it's that understanding which brings that freedom. It's that understanding which... Truly brings peace. And the message of the Dharma will be as obvious as colour is to a person with good eyesight. May all beings. See into the nature of things. May all beings develop through meditation. May all beings live with understanding.